This In The Pocket episode is an extended release of R.J. Miller, composer and drummer. In The Pocket, a talk show that showcases Mainers, who are people of color. Each episode represents a member of the Maine community from art, culture, and business, the earth, wind, and fire of life. Embracing and exploring the Black diaspora and descendants of American slavery through conversation is the foundational concept of In The Pocket. The overall mission of In The Pocket is to create conversational space for all people of color that is documented and celebrated through sharing of life experiences. If you like what you're hearing and want to hear it again or want to check out our archive of past shows, look for us at inthepocket.captivate.fm or search In The Pocket on iTunes or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at In The Pocket and give us a follow so you never miss a show. A thank you to our sponsors, the For Us, Buy Us Fund, which supports Black, Brown, Indigenous, and people of color living their best life in Maine. You are listening to In The Pocket with your host, Flo Edwards, and our guest today is R.J. Miller. He's a very talented drummer and teacher who is based in Brunswick, Maine. He is also a music composer as well. And stay tuned, we are gonna play one of his tracks from his newly released album. That newly released album is called Free Soul. Please, introduce yourself. Yes, uh, my name is RJ Miller. Uh, drummer, uh, composer, uh, jazz, yeah, jazz, jazz musician into electronic music. Uh, living in Brunswick, Maine. Lived in New York for a while. Uh, teach music up here at three colleges in a in an arts academy, high school. Awesome. So you grew up in Brunswick, correct? I did. Yep. Yep. Went to yeah. I mean, I um, my parents were in the military, so I ended up here. In 92, I was about eight years old, and uh, yeah, finished school up here. Great. So you mentioned at least jazz and electronic music for a couple of your genres. What did you start doing first? Jazz. Uh, Now, I came to find jazz music. I was probably about 13, 14 years old. Uh, There's a jazz camp up in Farmington, Maine, where I uh, got to meet a lot of uh, jazz musicians from New York. So that's kind of, I got the bug early and then, uh, and then yeah, the rest of the rest. Great. And you know, I know there's like a lot of subsects of jazz, like there's like acid jazz. Um, what kind do you do? Uh, man, uh, I mean, Obviously based in um, you know the roots, the like the like uh, jazz, blues, swing. Um, but I think it's hard to yeah. I mean, I still get hired to go to to perform in Europe in traditional settings like you know acoustic is what I mean acoustic music settings like playing with piano trios or vibraphone trios was the last kind of the gig I had in Europe before the pandemic. Um, so, so yeah, tr- rooted in the tradition, 
but then kind of I would consider I don't know what I would consider what I do is, which is my own music um, inspired by keyboards electronic music I mean you know Brian you know I mean then it gets it gets interesting but um, yeah but certainly yeah it's not I don't know if I would say that I'm rooted in like jazz fusion or anything like that I know a lot of musicians that are that's more their thing or different sets of jazz the avant-garde too I got a chance to play with Ornette Coleman wow. once it was for six hours at his place um, so I was a huge fan of his for a long time so yeah I mean I, I would say that I'm rooted in the avant-garde and you know as much as, much as I love Ornette I love Lester Young and Charlie Parker so those are some of your inspirations those artists that's 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 a that's a yeah broadly speaking i mean i, I can get pretty i can get pretty uh, detailed i mean as far as drummers my five influential drummers are probably people like i mean max roach R. blakey tony williams roy haynes elvin jones um Billy Higgins, Joe Jones, Sonny Murray, Tootie Heath, Connie Kay. So those, those are my favorite, some of my favorite drummers. Ed Blackwell, I don't know if I mentioned him yet. Those are those are my kind of like influential, like uh, big influences on, on, on drums, for sure. And so typically drummers are usually with a band or with an artist. How would somebody be able to listen to some of the drummers that you mentioned? Because uh, I, well, I always tell my students, I'm like, well, man, it's it's you know, it's the uh, we're we're talking about really. You could just type their name. In. <laughs> I mean, and like get all the records that they played on if they're truly interested in what is go what they did. Uh, because. Uh, yeah, yeah, partic- yeah, like you know, Elvin Jones, he's famous for playing with John Coltrane, right? Uh, like the, the classic quartet, that's what he's known for. So, uh, but of course, he was a leader after that, after Train died, you know. Um, so I think his he made a bunch of solo recordings, but then towards the end of his life, I think he had this band, he had this band called the uh, Elvin Jones Jazz Machine. Um, so yeah, I would suggest if yeah, if you if you don't know because yeah, if you Wikipedia, you know, Connie Kay, Billy Higgins, Ed Blackwell, any of these people, you can see the records that they've done as sidemen, records they've done as, uh, as a as a leader. So it takes a little work, a little research, you know. It's maybe not as friendly to the to the you know way we're living right now. But. Yeah, it's kind of like digging for records. I used to collect vinyl when I was younger, and part of the fun was getting your fingers dirty. Yes, 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 exactly, exactly. Yep, getting getting in there, like you know, and also taking some chances. There's some records I, you know, some records I'm like, I don't know what this is. I'm in the record store. I'm like, oh, well, you know, let's see what's up. Maybe it's not what I expected. That's the fun. That's right. 
So with um, the electronic music that you've done, how did you venture into that from jazz? So, well, I was living with a, a great, 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 great uh, musician friend. We shared a we shared a crib together in Red Hook, Brooklyn, and um, I lived down there for about twelve years. And for a few few of those years, I got to hang with a great, great bass player by the name of Ben Street, and we essentially. You know, just hung out and listening, you know, besides like practicing and working on music. Uh, I was like, I had this basement crib and he had, he had the, this, this crib up above. And uh, we essentially did a lot of listening and I, he was, he was playing me quite a bit of electronic music that I had, I was not hip to. And, um, you know, you know, you know, artists like Brian Eno and, uh, uh, Apex Twin and um, some other artists I can't think of right now, but I, I was I, I always noticed about that music. I always noticed that I was way into the the keyboard sound, the, the sound that people were getting, like the 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 processed sound that people were getting on these records. But I wasn't particularly interested in the drums hmm. being processed, the, the, the kind of like the, the computerized drum sounds, which you know it's all right. It's I mean it's it's I mean if you're if it's the right vibe, I'm kind of, I can I can get into it. Four ten is another thing that one that comes to mind. But I mean I I kind of that that's when I heard all those keyboard sounds. And in, in the meantime, I'm still like trying to figure out, I'm a drummer, so I didn't, my harm, like, you know, make, perhaps I'm a little insecure about my harmony knowledge and my melodic knowledge. And uh, so I'm working on that, studying it. And I just thought that that was kind of like a wide open lane. You know, there's nobody making music with acoustic drums rooted in jazz and blues. And, you know, wishwashing that with, you know, analog keyboard sounds. And the journey begins. That's how that all went down. Yeah. And, you know, my first record, my first record, it was literally, um, made like a lot of, a lot of different demos and versions in my basement apartment, like with this, this Roland keyboard from the seventies. Uh, and you know nothing fancy like it literally had like two two electronic keyboard sounds and like two harpsichord sounds and that with this unlim- like this Korg sound on sound unlimited track recorder which was only available for like a year was kind of the foundation of that my first record which I then brought to a, a good friend Pete Reddy's house to make a, a seven track album called Ronald's Rhythm which uh, was recorded to two inch tape and I deeply regret not regret but I would I would love to have that someday because I, I still have the masters so hopefully someday that it does uh, it, I print some vinyl of that because it was hit to two inch tape 
What's really the difference with two-inch tape and vinyl? Like sound quality? Uh, no, I'm just talking about like digital. So digital, like like when you're when you rec- everybody records digitally. Okay. Pro Tools, Logic. So I could I could um, you know, and it's a, you know it's it's a process and expensive and a luxury to record to two-inch tape these days. So uh, for me, the sound. Uh, like reel-to-reel two-inch tape to like to uh, a, a digital situation. I just I think there's some depth to the sound that uh, you're not, you're unable to get digital. Not to say that you know I mean I feel fine about the records I've made after that that are digital recordings, but I think there's something about that that um, it's you know once you know and you know, for it to be you know I, I printed vinyl of one digital recording, RG Miller Trio 1, and that, you know, it just sounded, it just sounds great, digital recording to vinyl, and I just feel like, I don't know, vinyl, I just wanted to, like, it would be nice to have, like, a recording, hit to tape, and then just keep with the analog thing, and then move it right to vinyl, and then I think it would be a, a nice sounding, a nice sounding uh, record. I assume that someone as talented as you are can actually hear the difference, but do you think the listeners can hear the difference? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, so far the feedback I've gotten from that one versus the rest of them, you know, is there's something about that first one. I'm not sure. It could be the tunes. It could be the songs. It could be the writing. But I'm going to assume it's the two-inch tape. Well, I, I have to take your word for it. I, I don't know. I don't know that. I, I'm, yeah. I'm not sure. I, I assume that. So when did you start teaching? Uh, that was a slow, a slow process. Um, I think I would say I, it got serious when I moved back here. And in the process of moving back here, um, and, you, know, uh, you know, doing odd jobs like working, you know, you know, carpentry, working gigs and things like that. And, but I, I moved back here and then kind of like got one, um, got one, one teaching gig at the University of Maine Augusta. Just you know, adjunct faculty, you know, drum drum lessons, and that led to another thing, and that led to another thing. So I would say the teaching began in New York here and there, like some students from the new school had, had sought, you know, sought me out for whatever, you know, I was doing down there. And then, and then when I would be in Europe performing, um, some, you know, students in Barcelona or some students in Copenhagen that were going to concert, you know, studying at conservatories there, when I was in town performing, they would try to, they would arrange a lesson and, and so that was like, you know, private lessons here and there have led to a full-blown teaching at the Main Arts Academy and um, uh, teaching at three colleges as an adjunct professor. What do you think is the difference with being a professor versus the private lessons? Uh, in this instance, uh, just the sound. <laughs> 
<laughs> when you're teaching at a college, like adjunct professor, adjunct faculty, it's not, it's, it's, it's literally, um, uh, the same. I, I don't have a degree, so I, I went to I went to school for one year, and then as I as I've said to some people, uh, my uh, education was university in the streets. <laughs> Which is a club in New York that I played at several times. University of the streets is a club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a yeah, it's a it's a club that's been. I don't know if it, what's going on with it now, but yeah, nice. So I, I thought you would have said that there was a big difference with, you know, being an adjunct professor and the private lessons. So it's cool that there isn't really a big difference. There, I'm not teaching classes. Adjunct faculty or professor or teacher means uh, that I'm, you know, paid to teach private lessons there to the students there. So, so in a sense, it's kind of just I'm I'm teaching whatever students have interest in drums. There, it's kind of like teaching privately at a at these colleges. That makes that makes more sense. I was never into music in, in school, so. Or, so. Yeah, it's certainly different. It's certainly a diff- yeah. It's 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 a, it's a it's a whole world out there. And it's good that you're able to add that teaching to your career, especially during COVID. How has COVID been a big change for what you've been doing? It's been uh, interesting. It's been it's it's certainly helped. Um, like steady, you know, steady work. Where where I mean, in the college realm, I feel like. There are less because there's more remote learning. Um, there are less because a lot of times I'll get at, you know at Bowdoin or Colby or UMA or not not so much UMA but more Bowdoin and Colby. I'll get a lot of beginner students that kind of want to just check check out the drums. And if you're trying to do that via Zoom, I'm open to that, but it's certainly challenging. It's 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 different, you know, to be starting an instrument and not have a, you know somebody right there to be like, oh man, you sit too high, or you know, you sit too low, or this is how you position everything. Um, so it's certainly, um, you know, maybe I don't have as many students in the college realm, but in the at the main arts academy, I'm you know teaching a regular five classes, two days a week. You know. It sounds like that could be tiring, or is it energizing because you love what you do? Uh, yeah, I, I get to I get to talk about and and, and mainly and practice and, and continue to learn. Like like the classes at the Main Arts Academy, I'm teaching you know rhythm classes. So like instead of like you know the classic kind of like classical percussion classes, turning them into rhythm classes so that I'm able to teach you know songs by Charlie Parker and Thelonious Monk and you know and, and, and so in that way I get to kind of like continue my like I get to practice and learn along the way as well like that's the whole that's the thing that's awesome about teaching you know if you're really into it you get like I don't have as much time because I'm running around to like to set up in here and practice though I have the you know the, the 
piano and the, and the roads and things like that. But the thing that's great about teaching is to be able to practice and keep learning. You know, that's and, you know, continue to learn. I, I keep finding I keep finding cool things like about even like you know harmonically or or you know I try I try to keep it in the harmony and songs and melody and rhythm. And not, I don't try to specialize in just drums. It's good that you diversify. Yes, yes. So, do you have any, are you recording at all yourself or anything in the works? I just put out a record that I, you know, just put out a record on Bandcamp. Um, uh, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm constantly doing that. If anything, the COVID era has, you know, it's like, it's kind of, I mean, as I used to, when I left New York, when I was living in New York, it was like New York, Europe, Europe, New York, back and forth, back and forth. And when I came back here, it became more settled, like, you know, jobs, some different jobs, but I would still go to Europe. But now with COVID, there is none of that. Though I did just get, there's a chance I might be going back to to the Copenhagen Jazz Festival in the summer, though I don't know. I'd rather wait one more year till everything's cleared up and like I don't want to take any chances so, to do that. But so yeah, I'm you know in this COVID era, it's it's really about um, working on my music more and more and, and less dependent on you know other other people really really trying to develop some solo concepts um, so yes I'm I just put out a record called Free Soul uh, which is like uh, uh, several tracks record so I'm trying to think it's like a, can't remember what it is now it's like 18 tracks or something like that what is it I, I was guessing an EP, but when you said 18 tracks, I'm like, whoa, it's no, not an EP. I know, it's, it's, like, it's like more like 15 tracks. It's like a 15-track record. It's a lot. Um, and so that, that I just put that out, and um, I'm continuing to do so. Uh, just got just keep continuing to develop this, the, the process here, you know, it's, uh, in, in, in the crib. Awesome. When did you start really composing in your career? I would say I got serious around 2011, about 10 years ago. And I never saw that coming. I just, I was like, you know, when I was like 18 and moved to New York, I was, you know, had a different idea but I kind of I don't know I just always saw I just didn't see composing or writing or any of that in my in, in my cards I didn't see any of that happening I think it probably until I saw less of a like it, it became more clear and clearer and clearer that I didn't fit any vibe you know, any, anything that was going on. I didn't really, I either didn't like it or it didn't work for me or I didn't, you know, which could do with a lot of other, I could say that about a lot of other things. But 
So the fact that I didn't see some way that I could be creative and continue to develop in a in a normal way, I think I probably started trying to see. Like I remember talking to some a friend of mine and saying, like, well, I like to, I like to swing. You know, I like to play drums. I like to swing. I like that. I like that feeling of swing. But I also like to play free. So I'm talking about swinging and the avant-garde. And you know, then I combine that with you know my uh, interest in you know analog keyboard sounds. And I was like, okay, well, you know, maybe I've got something here. You know, so that was probably about yeah, about ten years ago. Nice. And so the album you have just released, are you the only artist on there? The only one, uh, except there's one little snippet of uh, a good friend of mine, Leo Canovese from, from uh, Buenos Aires, or no, not from Buenos Aires, but from Argentina, I don't know exactly where, but we met we, you know, at, a, at a jazz camp when we were both in high school in Connecticut. Uh, he, I was over at his place, we were getting sounds for some some demos I was working up like ten years ago, and uh, and I, I I I kept it, you know I kept it for all this time, and then when I was making this this record I'm putting out now, you know I found you know I was like all right, I like this I'm gonna and I'm so I I made it go in reverse, and so that's the only reason why he's on the record. I mean like I made I I inserted like a, a track of his in reverse on one of my tracks. Otherwise, it's it's all it's all myself, yeah. Oh, what made you think of um, doing a sample, a reverse sample? Well, a lot of a lot of the record is reverse samples of my own. So I so a lot of my music is sampled like so I've got this um, it's called the Roland SP404 and I've been using that as a as a tool for since about 2013. So I basically used that to like record ideas, like wherever I would bring it everywhere, or, or, or even like a little recorder, any, anything I could record with, I would use that just to record an idea. And then um, I would just let the idea go, like I would, you know, I would let it continue to, you know, see if it was worth using at some point. And, um, you know, so some of it, so, you know, some of these things I was able to use in its original form, and some of them I just uh, uh, played them in reverse on this machine, and so that's how I came about that. So in that track, particular, particularly, is uh, there's quite a bit of reverse tracks, like things I've even used on other records. Is this your first sampled album? I hate to say sampled, but... Nope. Third. Nice. Third, yeah. Using that machine, yeah. Yeah, I got it originally after my first record because I didn't want to... My first record is, is like, very through-composed. And, you know, a lot of boring parts. And I didn't want people to have to... Uh, I didn't, I'm a side man, right? I'm a side man. I, I came up like as a side man drummer, so I didn't. I, I know what. I know what. If I'm gonna ask somebody to do something, I want them to not have to. 
I want them to be themselves. I, I don't want them, I don't want to have to tell them to do, you know, anything, you know, in particular, specifically. So, I was like, well, if I get this sampler, you know, maybe I can just, you know, record all the parts and, you know, maybe I don't need anybody else. And that just turned into, you know, I wasn't able to do that. And, uh, you know, solo shows. And um, it turned into a, a tool to, you know, keep creating music, you know, the way I have, the way I have been the last several years. So, yeah, initially it was, yeah, I got that sampler to hopefully not have to like, you know, you know, get musicians to like recreate some album I did, you know, that was the original concept. Now it's, 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 it's great. You know, it's like, uh, it's just another way to record thoughts and keep them around for a while and see if, you know, just get away from the idea of like, I got to make this recording and I'm going to go in and do this thing like right now, like just, you know, have some ideas over some years and see what I can do with them over the long run. You know? Almost like a diary. Yes. Yep. Yep. For sure. That's awesome. Yeah. Yep. Well, uh, RJ Miller, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for spending your time with me. What's the plug? How can people reach you? Well, thank you, Flo. Uh, we, it's, uh, the plug is uh, rjmiller.bandcamp.com. And RJ Miller Drums on Instagram. Those are the plugs. Yeah. And what is your last album, your new release? Yes, it's called Free Soul. Free Soul. Awesome. I'll check that out. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to In the Pocket with your host, Flo Edwards, and our guest today, RJ Miller. Stay tuned. You will be hearing a single off of his Free Soul album, and the single is called Charlie Chaplin Park. If you like what you've heard and want to hear it again or want to check out our archive of past shows, look for us at inthepocket.captivate.fm or search In The Pocket on iTunes or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at In The Pocket and give us a follow so you never miss a show.